0: I am Dana El Masri, and you are listening to On the Nose, a perfume podcast, but not just a perfume podcast. I'll be talking to artists, fellow perfumers, and everyday people about scent, culture, society, and how we follow our noses just as much as we follow our intuition.
1: So okay, so Donna, we're we're doing an episode together.
0: Yes, we are, Saskia. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> should we should we call and it like perfume on the radio on the nose?
1: A perfume on the nose on the radio, maybe.
0: Yeah, perfume on the nose on the radio. That's really I love
1: good. it. Perfume on the nose on the radio.
0: And we're doing it
1: about music because you have a long practice of combining scent and music.
0: Yes, I have
1: so you are well-placed to talk about this topic. And and so I wanted to start by interviewing you about your work with Music and Scent. Super. So Donna, I know when you first started with uh, Jasmine Sarai, one of your early, early, early projects was about making perfumes inspired by albums or mixtapes or specific musicians. Do you want to tell our combined audiences a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, so that was the beginning of Jasmine Sarai. I had this idea when I went into perfume schools, the Grass Institute of Perfumery. I noticed a lot of scent and music connections and crossovers very early on. And that really interested me because I was very much into music. And so what I did when I came back from school, uh, while, you know, realizing that perfumers have organs and that there's scent notes and... All of these different things kind of just made sense, um, including my synesthesia, I decided to create scents that were inspired by sounds or like olfactory reinterpretations of songs because music is universal and scent isn't. Totally. And
1: this would have been back in 2013, 14, right? Like this was a while ago.
0: Oh, yeah. Like I started the business seven years ago, which was around 2014, yeah, March 2014. Um, but I Been working on the idea since 2010 because essentially actually my first accord in the lab at school was the scent of old records
1: oh wow that's amazing
0: yeah i really love that smell and i that was the first thing i created and i was really curious about like what can i use and what can i not use and weirdly enough it has some materials that you can't really use on a on a, like a mass level, like methyl eugenol uh, and some allergens, you know, things like that, that dusty book smell, the mustiness, the the dryness. Yeah, like that old vintage vibe. And I guess the musty book smell would come from the record
1: covers, right?
0: Yeah. Exactly.
1: So what was some of the first musicians that sort of inspired you to to make sense?
0: For Jasmine Sarai specifically, it was Neon Graffiti and M.I.A. That idea was very, very clear in my head. I've been listening to M.I.A for many, many years, and I really loved what she stood for uh, and how strong her lyrics were. Um, And the fact that she was doing a lot of, like producing a lot of her music herself. And at the time, uh, Sun Showers, I hadn't even seen the video, but I kept listening to this song and I really had a very intuitive, feeling to create it in scent form i just wanted to be like how cool would it be if i created that and i also kept smelling neon something neon in the song and this like jungle vibe i don't know how else to describe it there was a gunpowder jungle vibe with a lot of neon neon and wet cement And then I looked at the video and she was she's riding on an elephant. She's in the jungle in Sri Lanka. Wow. It kind of it all kind of made sense. And that's really yeah where uh, Neon Graffiti was born. I remember that and I remember loving it because I'm a huge fan of M.I.A.
1: And I think she's a total Well, I can't swear on the radio, but she's a bad A.S.S. And the idea of neon is such an interesting thing in perfumery because, of course, neon itself has no smell, right? Or maybe it does, but it's not something we access.
0: That is interesting, yeah, because in the beginning when I was working on that, I had the opportunity to show it to a few perfumers. And they would say, like, bring up the neon, Um, make it more neon. I was still kind of very much influenced by the classical trainings. And I was thinking about, okay, this is my debut collection. I need to have something that's approachable, that isn't like super weird. So I know that neon graffiti could probably get weirder. Like if I were to make a new neon graffiti now, it would be a lot more metallic, a lot more neon, less wearable. I've always been interested in neon and smell. Neon for me is very aldehydic. Yeah, I could see Maybe animals. citrus that kind of thing. I could totally see that. Yeah.
1: So, okay. So after MIA, what, what did you tackle? I know there was Otis in me, but when did that come in?
0: That was also, that was right after, and it was pretty organic. That was the clearest one to me. And it was mm-hmm. the shortest formula. So that's only 10 materials. Amazing. And I really wanted to capture a conversation with Otis Redding. That's so how really did you it. imagine that
1: conversation?
0: Well, I mean, listen to that song, Cigarettes and Coffee. He's telling you. It's just like he's sitting there with the with, with cigarettes and a cup of coffee, like three in the morning. So I just thought of a very monochrome diner, late night conversation mm-hmm. with a friend, with a lover, with a, a mentor, anybody that you're just totally enraptured with that conversation. You know, what's that movie? Is it A Thousand Cigarettes?
1: Yeah, it was like an MTV movie in the 90s, right?
0: Yeah, so like I thought of that a lot and I thought of Tom Waits. He's my spirit animal, I love him. Well, you know, that's interesting that we're talking about music because one of the things I also created, and just for me, there was a line in one of Tom Waits' songs, I think it was Circus, and he said the music was like electric sugar, and I recreated electric sugar
1: wow that was
0: fun that was a lot of fun Uh,
1: that sounds enticing gosh we're gonna have to make a playlist for this episode right so far we got sun showers cigarettes and coffee circus oh yeah that's
0: a great idea (laughs) yeah totally
1: actually at some point you started making mixtapes if I recall correctly or
0: maybe I'm remembering that wrong is that right well I'm a 90s kid and I think one of the coolest most thoughtful and actually even more most romantic things you can do is make a mixtape for somebody Initially it was sent in music but I also wanted to expand into culture and music is culture right so yeah. the idea of the mixtape was really okay I need to showcase samples so why don't I just make a mixtape instead of songs they'll be perfumes it's fantastic yeah and I started with like vintage tapes actually it was Ashley and Amy's Tapes from the basement that they found. Talking about uh, Ashley Eden Kessler, the awesome,
1: our friend and person. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. And fellow GIP alumnus. Mm-hmm. And her sister, Amy, who's awesome. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. They really, I, I don't even, I think I had the idea in LA. I don't even remember how it came to me. And so I was like, yeah, let me just try this out. Obviously, I couldn't keep reusing vintage cases, but I found a, a really good supplier who does like, who uses recycled plastic. I'm actually trying to figure out like a non-plastic alternative because it's the only plastic I use. But essentially now I have cassette cases that I paint with alcohol ink because I love painting with alcohol ink. So each piece is totally unique. And there's a little J card in there. And now it's like the whole set. You get to hear, smell, the whole thing all together. So the, okay,
1: the concept of scent and music, is this something that that goes back?
0: Yeah, I believe it's uh, late 1800s with Septimus Pies. I believe he's the first one who came out with the idea of pairing uh, chords with scent. You can see like, you know, a higher pitched uh, sound equates to citrus, for example. I had a lot of interest in many sensory mediums. But none of them really made a lot of sense. And in perfume school, the whole idea of synesthesia really just kind of like hit me in the face, especially with scent and sound, because I would remember lemon or grapefruit and help decipher between the two by giving myself a, a, a musical association to some of them. Lemon cane was super high pitched, or citral was really, really bright, neon, high pitched, versus let's say vetiver, which was kind of like a bass. And the idea of top, middle, bass notes in, in perfumery definitely help with the, the musical imagery.
1: Right. Yeah. Totally. And, and it comes from music, if I'm correct. Is that right?
0: Yeah. I have a bachelor's in communication studies, and I went into sound production specifically. And you know, Pro Tools or GarageBand or a lot of these music music software programs. Whenever I not now, but whenever I did construct things, especially in the beginning, I really did have that same kind of visual in mind. I really do believe in the vibrational theory of smell Mm -hmm. as well, right? Just like music. The one proposed by Luca Turin, you mean? The the idea that okay, yeah. I totally agree with him on that. I mean, even the way that music and smell is transported in the air is I feel very, very similar. Yeah. Um, in the way that we perceive it, the way that it it hits our bodies. And the way Um, that it
1: dissipates too. It kind of disappears. You know when an when a, when a ambulance goes by and it's like me do no, doo nee, no, and then it passes you and it's me do no, it nee, no, goes a little flat? You know? Yeah. I feel like there's an equivalent to that in perfume with the sillage, you know? It's sort of, it's dissipating in a way that's a little bit different than how it came to you. And it's really fleeting. It
0: just disappears almost instantly. And I mean, those were things that I loved. Like Those were the the most obvious connections to me. I'm like, wow, they're both nostalgic. They're both invisible. They're both time-based. They both have a similar structure. They both vibrate. They both emanate through your soul. It's very primal. You don't need a lot of time. to to feel anything and you don't have enough time to intellectualize it so i thought to myself okay interesting because in a perfume accord it has to be harmonious Mm -hmm. just like a song i actually use a lot of sound mixing metaphors for people now and it really helps so let's say you know you don't want a lot of citrus then maybe you'll put it in the back so you'll put Mm -hmm. it on like the fourth track instead of the first and you'll bring Mm -hmm. it a little bit down versus, you know, you don't want the snare drum to be super, super loud or like super pronounced. So you'll put it every five seconds instead of every two seconds. And so there's certain structures involved that I feel are very, very similar to how you actually create a fragrance.
1: Man, as someone who spends a lot of time in, you know, Adobe Premiere and used to do a lot of Final Cut, like that makes a lot of sense to me. Right? (laughs) Yeah, totally. Like, and then there's the, you know, sometimes I'll put in white noise underneath. And the white noise will sort of soften. So yeah, I always see that as sort of, I guess, like musk or something. Exactly, Um, exactly. That's a really cool way of thinking about construction. Um, That's awesome, Donna. So Donna, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but, and I I know you're shy about it, so we don't have to get into it too much, but you are a musician yourself and you're a singer. Can you tell folks a little bit about that, about your own, your music? Yeah,
0: um, I've actually been singing and writing songs since I was 12 years old, but I had quite a few negative experiences. (laughs) In communication studies where uh, in Montreal, here in university, where I did decide to sing, I had a lot of stage fright and I got discouraged a lot. Weirdly enough, that's uh, I graduated and that's when I read Jitterbug Perfume and The Alchemist and that's when I went into perfumery. So everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that I kind of like included music was to obviously do scented music uh, to keep the dream going. Now, I... Release something when I have something to say, mm-hmm. which is still the same with perfume. Yeah, I write all of my own music. I'm actually releasing two songs uh, on a friend's project. She plays Oud and guitar. She has a project um, called The Stories That Tie Us to Trees. And it's like in Arabic, in Spanish, and French. It's really beautiful. And it's my first song in Arabic. So I'm very <laughs> nervous about that. Oh, that's awesome. And Montreal is full of really incredible musicians. I'm very lucky to to be able to work with any of yeah, them.
1: Yeah, Montreal's got quite a scene, actually. I have some some pals up there, and it seems to be hopping, you know. Toronto, too. It's crazy. Yeah,
0: when it comes to music, it's and art in general, it's definitely a very, very creative place to be. And there's so much talent, really so much talent.
1: Oh, you know, one thing we didn't talk about, maybe we could quickly talk about, is... Your work with Aruj Aftab. Is that what you were talking about before? Yes. So
0: I've actually done, I've done quite a few collaborations with musicians. So one uh-huh. was with a local musician called Hanora. That was the first where we did different scents for different songs. And we would, um, one was on a hot plate that I literally just played around with a hot plate and a fan on on stage. And then the second one was where we had cotton or sorry wool balls that were embedded with the scent but there were qr pins inside that could be scanned and they were put on a tarp and that tarp was kind of like levied and pulled upwards as she performed and the audience yeah it was super cool and the audience took like just took them off the velcro or off the tarp and would be able to wool for a really 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 long time so that was really really cool and ever since then because i've again so lucky to be surrounded by musicians i've managed to do uh, a la- lot just last year i came out with a, a limited edition diffuser oil collection called the ep i remember that and, yeah. yeah so it was really just scent and sound in your home like just a moment of you play that artist's um song and it was my kind of like in my scented interpretation of their music and it was four people so it included Hanora which was the same person I mentioned earlier then there was also Cali Technus uh Lunis and Miriam Sassy. So it was mm-hmm. all different people all different genres different vibes and like really a kaleidoscope of scent, sound and color. Awesome. And then Aruj uh that's coming up. So right now she just released her EP or album called Vulture Prince. Mm-hmm. So we're working on, they reached out and asked me to create a scent for that um, project. That's so cool.
1: Is it nice? Do you enjoy working with musicians? Uh, I mean, as a musician, but also working with outside musicians? Do you find it easy? Obviously, you do, actually, because you, you understand. You can kind of jump between the different fields.
0: Right? It depends right. on the musician, yeah. Right. Because, like, budgets <laughs> budgets are really tough. And the right. idea of, like, hey, I'd love to create something for you, but, like, how much does it cost, Right. It's all about like, can you really describe what you want or is it all up to me to translate and decipher your music and put it into scent form?
2: Because mm. it's
0: not just about the music. If you're creating something for a project, right? You're looking at the color, you're looking at the vibe. You're like, how do you want that someone to feel when they mm. listen to your music or, or smell your scent? Really my number one question in any project. But I, I do enjoy the medium a lot. There's all of these ideas that I've always wanted to bring to life, but unfortunately haven't happened, whether it's mm. like collaboration has you know, not worked out or oftentimes budget or like the ideas can't be created in like quantities, let's say. I love vinyl and I love the act of listening to music. So adding sent to that experience just feels very very natural and then before covid when it came to live music i think it's actually kind of an integral part of or should be an integral part of most musicians arsenals because what adding a scent to your show just creates like this whole different vibe and it connects people to you in not just a musical way, like that memory is very, very much imprinted. Like Lunas, one of the artists that I collaborated with and have been collaborating with for a while, he's next level in the sense that he was one of the very few musicians who's not, who doesn't have much experience in anything scented would Start all of his DJ sets with by burning incense.
1: Oh wow, that's cool. Yeah, right. That's
0: awesome. So like that's already a ritual that's visual, that's scent-based, it's time-based, it's a beautiful introduction. Like there's so many levels to that performance, you know? Totally. And I think people don't realize it because scent is such an afterthought. Yeah. And so by connecting it to something so like approachable, it makes things a little bit easier to absorb
1: yeah no, I, I completely agree. and uh, on the on the super like mainstream side, I think my friend Neil Harris, uh, friends with Ashley as
0: well. right. Yeah, he yeah, he creates the sense speakers. I have one.
1: Yeah, and he did it. He, I, I think it's okay to say he, he did years ago. He did a performance where he scented. Um, Shania Twain had like a residency in Las Vegas. Or yes, I and, heard like, about that. And like scented it with uh, campfire, which I thought was pretty cool. You know, uh, especially for someone as mainstream as Shania Twain, Shania Twain, you know, to think of that, like I was like, oh, okay, you know, give the give the lady credit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, Neil, Neil has been doing a lot of really really cool stuff like that for a while.
1: Dude, quietly quietly working his butt off. No, like yeah, a, yeah. Favorite for, kind of
0: person. <laughs> interested. The scent speaker actually is really interesting and in sense it just kind of like a blower. It looks like a leaf blower essentially, but what the what makes it super cool is that it has like this section with where you can add these ceramic structures involved uh-huh. that I feel are very very similar to how you actually create a fragrance.
1: Man, as someone who spends a lot of time in you know Adobe Premiere and used to do a lot of Final Cut, like that makes a lot of sense to me, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, and then there's the you know sometimes I'll put in white noise underneath, and, and the white noise will sort of soften. So yeah, I always see that as sort of I guess like Musk or something. Exactly, um, yeah. exactly. So Donna, um, we have an episode today that's all about music for for perhaps obvious reasons, and I'm excited to to do it with you.
0: I still have no idea how we're gonna do it. I don't either. I don't either. Peter de Cupera is a pioneering olfactory artist with decades of work in the medium. He creates work that is intended to explore and expand our experiences of smelling. As part of his olfactory art practice, de Cupera explores technology, and it is in this regard that we invited him to join us. Peter called in from his home near Antwerp and shared a lot of olfactory instruments that are in many ways impossible to describe. So be sure to check out perfumeontheradio.com to see images of them. We started the conversation asking Peter how scent brought added meaning to a piece of art.
1: We wanted to start the the conversation, Peter, by asking you how working with scent adds meaning to a piece of art.
2: Actually, I think scent is really powerful to give uh, context to a work of art. And there are fragrances that by by its own has a kind of context already, most of the fragrances. And we can also add new context to fragments uh, and play with that, use it as a kind of symbol. It also has impact not only on uh, the experience, but also on the way you're thinking. Uh, It's also different from culture to culture. I think it's also very interesting to, uh, to play with. So you can make some confusions that you can use, but you can also use them to let people think about other ways of living but beside that there's also the use of scent as a concept for example music and eh? we are talking about the odophone from uh, Septimus uh, P. S. music is something you can give a meaning with it with the, the, the text that you, you you sing or something or you can enjoy it mentally and uh, for some people it's kind of healing process for some people it's more enjoyment other time. It, it can give power but also here it's an impression i think uh, and that's also context but, but it's a different kind of context than using it in a work of art. like um, for example when i use the smell of air pollution it has a very strong meaning by itself um, in general every scent that has a warning function when you use that in a in an artwork you you get already a lot of context to it where you can play with so for me I find it easier to work with these, sometimes with bad smells in that way, than with beautiful fragrances.
1: Is this because some smells have more conceptual or symbolic meaning for people?
2: Yeah. So what can you say with a rose? Actually, you can say a lot with a rose, but it depends how you combine it with other artworks, with other materials, other things. To give an example, the smell of grass, such a simple fragrance. But when you give the idea of freedom to it, that's, for example, refugees that to f- to fly over the, over the water, and uh, then they come on land, and there is a white meadow filled with grass, and when you use that idea as freedom, then you use it as a symbol, and not as the idea of grass by its own.
1: Right, so the idea of freedom adds an extra dimension to the smell of grass.
2: It's different than, for example, when you would use it as, uh, for example, a sketchy sniff painting I made on the wall, Invisible Sand painting, and you, you, there's a title, uh, looking for features in the cloud, and then you smell the grass when you wrap over it. It's, it's another, it's totally something different.
0: You mentioned Septimus Pies and the odophone. So, for our listeners, who is Septimus Pies and what is the odophone?
2: Uh, Septimus Pies, he's a, a perfumer and, and chemist or scientist, and he invented the odophone. I don't know anything about music in general. But, but uh, I like the idea from the odophone because it's based on the notes. Right? He, he compares music with the notes of fragrances. Actually, I think he was the one who invented the idea of describing notes uh, to perfumery. So uh, to make a composition with it, to make accords, and uh, to, to compose the, the fragrance in that way. So in the book from uh, 1857, The Art of Perfumery, he compares the uh, heavier odours with uh, lower notes and uh, the sharpen others with higher uh, music notes. So I was working about uh, the idea of making music with smells, but then without without sound, uh, like with the olfactiano. And olfactiano is the sand piano I created in uh, 2004. I, I was busy before with language and smell because it was difficult and it's still difficult to describe smells. So I wanted to create my own smell alphabet and I started I think in 1995. I, I finished my school with a smell carpet with a, a letter type I designed it and every letter had this kind of uh, herb spices used for it. And then I was thinking further, I was thinking why not create a piano with it, with the, the idea of a smell alphabet. So. I created a piano with 27 keys on three layers, like bass notes, middle notes, and top notes, based on the idea of perfumery. The first scent piano actually was also sponsored, the fragrances were sponsored by EFF. It was the first time I uh, worked together with EFF at that time, with uh, Christophe uh, Laudemiel. So I was playing with these fragrances and trying to make compositions with it.
1: Fascinating. So to be clear the olfactiano equates letters to scent rather than musical notes
2: yeah 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 so olfactiano actually exists out of 27 keys uh 26 of them are based on the alphabet, and one key is just for fresh air so the idea is i could write sentences words with it sentences between each word give fresh air and then the other one but yeah people didn't know the alphabet of course not it was more my idea behind it and it was more looking for a nice composition in one way when I was playing with it and using then sensual fragrances or uh, romantic fragrances or or fragrances, for example, for um, blind people I played once with. So the Olfactiano you could say, in one way was a kind of tribute also to the other form from Septiem PS. only I didn't know at that time when I was making it, designing it, about Septiem PS. Some months ago, I got a request to do and working together with blind people. And that gives me the idea to start it over again with the olfactiano, to recreate a new kind version of it based on the, a smaller alphabet. So I'm creating at the moment the alphabet. It's an olfactory alphabet. It will be in an exhibition in May, where there will be a big installation only focused on the old alphabet. There will be also a new sand piano.
1: When does this uh, exhibition premiere? You said in May, where is that?
2: Uh, it's in Bruges. Bruges,
1: Bruges. how fantastically and, cool.
2: But to come back on the other form from uh, Septiem Pies, the idea of creating fragrances and making compositions, here also with this fragrance, you must imagine how would it work? So to learn, Using these fragrances, they can come and smell it uh, with this this, uh, kind of uh, scent organ from the alphabet. But I also created these little playing things. So these are all kind of elements they can connect. There are letters, actually, scent letters, and they can smell it one by one. In the beginning, they can do it with the braille on it. So, they are all 3D printed. And a further version, you combine the letters. So, you can oh, cool. it, feel the letters. They can combine it. They can play with each other to learn it with two persons. Someone combines it and everyone has to guess it without touching it and smelling it. Then they can just, you know,
1: smell smell the word, smell. literally. I, I
2: call them all the fonts. For example, this is the odor. I call it. And I put the fragrances put them inside here. He's
1: holding up a gramophone and there's little attachments in the stem of the gramophone where he's plugging in little smell thing.
2: Yeah, makes sounds, actually. It's a horn, so it really makes sounds. I have a little one.
1: So what you're hearing, folks, is a sort of olfactory trumpet um, that Peter has constructed. So he pushes his air through a mouthpiece area and the smells are disseminated through this massive horn.
2: So <laughs> and the smell is coming out. It takes the air, takes the smell with it and coming out. Imagine, mm-hmm. or when you go to manifestations and you put the smell of scatol in oh. it, I'm sure you will have place. Everyone will go away.
1: So for some of our listeners who aren't familiar with the names of the aromatic molecules, scatol is a smell that smells very strongly of
0: poo. It's quite unpleasant. So it's like a trumpet gramophone protective tool.
2: Yeah, you could say so. And then, this is a little one. This is, for example, I love with lavender, makes it very relaxing. And then you have to blow here. But the smell is coming through your nose, you know, like... And this is the other rattle, and there are scented uh, uh, polymers in it. And this one is with three, so you can have the base note, middle note, and a top note you can do inside. And you have a composition of scents where you can play and listen to.
1: That's so fantastic. That's the first uh, scent rattle I've seen in my entire life. Yeah,
0: so. I love that. Actually, right before you showed that, my first instinct was I have little talking shakers that de- have different sizes. And how interesting would it be if they had holes in them and then you come up with exactly that, so.
1: And so now Peter's putting on a pair of glasses that attach to a, a little um, trumpet under Look, his
2: Is the alpha reader. The idea is that's words, sentences, digital or translated with artificial intelligence, and that you can smell it. So actually you're smelling by just breathing in, and it registers the breathing in and how fast you can read. If you are very good practicing in, you can read faster and the smell will cause faster. So you must imagine when you read the sentences, it's translating it. And for example, the word sun, I just words that are very common or something, or people, you'll start to learn very quickly. And these fragrances become kind of composition in one way. These words come a a scent composition. So you can put actually one scent composition and you read the words at the same time. I translated once. I tried to prove to people that sound has an odor. So when you clean your ears with an earbud and you smell to the earbud, uh, then you smell something from the earwax you smell. But when you listen one day to classic music and one day to heavy metal music, you smell the difference in between like, them, it, it smells totally different. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing to, to test it out. It's also kind of joke in one way, because when you listen whole day to heavy metal music, it's well, smelling more to uh, metal in one way. It's also very normal because there's more blood coming to your ears. So there will be more metal scents that's in the blood, stick to the, the earwax. So, and that was why I was playing me with it. but just to let people imagine for just a few seconds that it's possible uh, that sound has a smell.
0: That was Peter de Coupera joining me and Saskia from Belgium. As I mentioned at the beginning of the interview, he shared a lot of smell-emitting gadgets, and you can see some of them on perfumeontheradio.com.
1: Yolanda Whitaker, better known as Yo-Yo Fearless, is a Grammy-nominated hip-hop artist, actress, and entrepreneur. Much of Yo-Yo's music advocates for female empowerment, denouncing the frequent sexism and misogyny in hip-hop music. The protege of gangsta rapper Ice Cube, Yo-Yo dubbed her crew the IBWC for the Intelligent Black Women's Coalition. In 2020, Yo-Yo started studying perfumery and will be releasing several projects soon, and she joined us from Los Angeles.
0: So, Yo-Yo, thanks again so much for taking the time to answer our questions today. We're really excited to have you. My first question is, how have you related perfume to your practice as a rapper so
3: far? Well, first of all, hip hop is all about, you know, like being the best, bragging and being braggadocious. So as a woman, you know, I have had to embrace all of that. Style, beauty, fashion, you know, Megan The Stallion and Cardi B, they've been on the biggest magazines ever, due to fashion. When I was coming up, it wasn't that easy for us to obtain all of that. Hip hop was just, it was a street art form, so it wasn't as embraced as it is now. I mean, how you smell is really important. Yeah, I mean, you know, the scent that catches your attention. And you know, when you're headed out to perform, it's all about being confident, and that's very important to an artist. I mean, I know for me, because a lot of, a lot of, fans really don't know what the artist smells like and it kind of sets the tone
1: that's interesting like so it gives you sort of a personal relationship with the fans and, and you present yourself in the flesh you know in the way that you want to present yourself to the
3: fans is that right yes it sets the tone it you know it, and it goes a long way you know scent really sets the tone because you what was it was it who was it it was uh, slick rick i think he got that song lottie Dottie threw all my fancy and my polo cologne, fresh dressed as a million bucks, you know? And so as a teenager, it, you know, it was acknowledged that it wasn't just about the looks. It wasn't just about the clothes. It was also about the scent. Hip hop has such a stereotype. And so I think in the beginning, it, it kind of gives you an inside I mean, you almost want to go inside their house and see how it's decorated. And so when you smell the scent or or someone tells you the kind of cologne they wear, it, it puts you in a mind state of who this person is outside of the artist that you're listening to or the performer you're watching. You know, when I came out in the early 90s, a lot of journalists would say, you know, um, are all women gay? You do, you You know, like it was such a stereotype, but that women had to be gay in order to rap because it was such a masculine art form. And so I think trying to find a scent that said powerful, respect, feminine, um, and single (laughs) at that time, you know, try to find all of that wrapped in, in one was pretty much a way that i it spoke it's it was a language that spoke for itself i didn't have to say much it was almost like showing up and you know the scent said it all for me that's
0: really curiosity cool. what scent was that that you just like that you chose
3: that represented uh, all things i'm a cocktailer you know i'm always mixing but you know i like a lot of woodsy smells um, i'm i'm rarely in the florals but Joe Malone has a lot of, of sense that I mismatch a lot.
0: Do you remember any
3: from the nineties? Maybe like back then? When someone would say, what are you wearing? It was always hard to say, because I'm like, oh God, I, you know, I used to always wear my Gina Tay You know, I would splash that on first. Like I had like a whole routine. You know, I used to wear this Chanel um, sheen when they used to do the sheen spray, where you spray your body with the sheen oil. They discontinued it. Oh man, that sounds pretty cool. So it would make you a little shiny. It added the first layer. And that's why I want to do, you know, with my scent, I want to do more of the body, the body care, the soaps, the scrubs, the scent before. Sense,
1: yeah, and then that gives you the baseline for the confident persona when you're on stage and performing.
3: Mm, of right? course, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm curious. Do you do you think there's a culture of of thinking about scent or talking about scent in early hip hop and today? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, what?
3: I mean, hip hop. Even though you know we're not wearing suits, you know, and ties, you know, in their street clothes, it's it's still important. It's high fashion, and the scent is very important because the scent is very necessary for the audience. They are paying attention. They they are looking for the influence. They want to get inside your homes. They want the memory of it. So, you know, to have a fan approach you and um, you know, to pass you or to stand close to you and get a scent. And they're like, wow. And, you know, sometimes that's all they remember. Yo, yo, you always smell good. Yo, yo, I'm lo- just, you know, you, you but I love perfume. So it's always like it matters to me. And I think it matters to a lot. I can remember a person by their smell. I judge by the smell. Do you see any parallels between perfumery and music or specifically hip hop? Oh, of course. I mean, all of the scents, it sets it up. Based off of, I mean, I could have a horrible day. I mean, I, you could, I could experience death, uh, contract situations. But if I have to go in the studio and write a song, the smell of the room, almost like, you know, you remember when you were young, your mom, you could smell the bacon in the kitchen and you could smell the biscuits, you know, cooking. And you knew you were gonna have a great day. You knew your mom was in a good mood. Why? Because you can smell the food cooking. You knew you by what she was cooking. Going into a studio and, you know, the vibe, you know, what am I seeing? What am I looking at? But more than anything, it's the scent that sets it. Some artists love to light candles. Some artists love incense. Some love the air conditioner orange pushes out the smell. You really just have a, you know, clean room. I used to love to, have candles lit and I had this ritual where I would smoke a cigarette and have some champagne <laughs> because my favorite artist, writer would do it. Yeah, so it always starts with the scent.
0: Uh, when Saskia told me that we were talking to you, the first the first question that did come to mind was, do you find anything in common or in terms of, especially now that you're starting to make your own? perfumes or learning how to construct things, do you see anything in common with cadence, the rhythm or uh,
3: flow specifically when it comes to making a fragrance? Yeah, I mean, you know, just creating your own melody, you know, um, putting it all together, which I'm very excited to have learned how to do. And even with some of the samples I've made now, I'm still looking for a certain tone. I'm still looking for a certain melody with the perfume. Yes, I see a complete parallel of music and perfume. You know, you want this orchestra, you know, how how do you want it to play out? And so, yeah, it, it mellows out with music for me. What about you, Donna? Do you find the uh, rhythmatic flow to be in the same body as perfume?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I see so many connections and I've also explored other musical genres, so specifically mm-hmm. Arabic music. So there's a lot of quarter tone in there and it it's a completely different setup. And that to me is really interesting in terms of how things revolve, how things repeat. Mm-hmm. Um, this was like back in the 50s and 60s, but they'd like sing the same thing over Mm -hmm. and over again, the same lyric over and over again, but differently or longer. And it's just so fascinating to me. I I definitely think they all have something in common for sure.
3: Yeah, you know, hip hop, the herb smell is real big. So when you have like the woodsy smells, remind me of hip hop. That, That
0: actually sets a really good picture.
3: Yeah, the greens, the figs you know, um, with hip hop and and just the smell of itself. Because, you know, the studio has kind of like its own kind of vibe and you mellow it out with different smells. So
0: you've just actually given us like the question of what does hip hop smell like? Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> In general. Now we know.
1: Right. Figs, Woodsy, Herb.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm because you know in the studio it's it's a lot of wood this the booth is you know you're surrounded by cedar wood
1: so wh- what are you hoping to do with your perfume do you see it as a <laughs> parallel track for yourself or are you hoping to sort of create some sort of synergy between between your performances and your and your perfume making
3: i wanted to kind of introduce a scent to my audience in a way that you know not just you know for me i mean the first day i took one of your classes You know, they've said, oh, yeah, call it yo-yo, call it ya-ya, this, this, this. And the first thing Michael says was, aren't you glad no one wants to smell like Beyonce anymore? (laughs) You know, the days of smelling like Beyonce are over. I was like, okay, out the window goes that idea. It had me set aside the yo-yo to creating a scent that I want the audience to smell. And outside of that, but to create, like you said, a scent for the audience, because I think when especially hip hop, because we have this stereotype. I love meeting strong, confident women because we've been taught to be crabs in the bucket in hip hop. It's one girl to a click. You know, uh, Queen Latifah was one girl with the Naughty By Nature. Myself with Ice Cube and the Lynch Mob. There was not like a bunch of girls, you know, it was one girl to a click because we don't have enough of it around. And even now you have the lawyers hang around or the assistants or something. I just wanted to produce something that had power in music. And would would you
1: imagine like when you're performing, propagating that scent to the audience? Great question. Yeah, you know, how do you get that smell out? Yeah, good question. I guess maybe to rephrase the question a little bit would be like, what do you think it would bring for your audience to have that
3: smell? when you perform do you think it would would you hope it would make them connect to you better oh without question it would definitely have them connect to understand like wow you know I knew yo-yo I you know they've loved me they've watched me they're on my social media page I mean you know when they meet me in person they go wow I knew you were nice you know I knew you smelled good or I you know I know you know because of and they kind of try to pick you apart to try to Figure out who you are, and the scent will definitely connect.
0: What's even cooler um, when you incorporate scent in live performance is that you're creating this primordial emotional connection between you and your audience, and Mm. you're adding a new memory and a new layer to their experience because they're like, oh, okay, I can't wait to go to this yo-yo show. And well, also, we can't wait to go to live shows in general, but how exciting (laughs) Right? to go to a yo-yo show and then there's this whole new element that has no words, right? It's describing your rhythm, your rhyme, your lyrics, your flow, all of the things that you want to express, including your physical energy, but mm-hmm. mm-hmm. also this whole other layer that expresses you as an artist, but
3: also your music. It's that scent of sense that I'm missing. When you're talking, I can see it. And as you're talking, it just reminds me of when I go into a room. And to be specific, the House of Blues has its own smell. So, you know, you go to the House of Blues and the House of Blues has this smell. You go to the foundation room, I go to a hotel. It sets the tone for me so I could definitely see how, and I wasn't even thinking that, but that's what's so good about saying yes and showing up, being a part of this perfume school did a lot for me. I'm so glad that I committed to it, you know, and have been committed um, because it's really expanding my brand. And my vision.
1: Well, I'm excited to see where this uh, this new adventure leads you, Yo-Yo, because you have such an uh, amazing career already. Um, I, I'm interested to see how you apply your thinking and your knowledge and your brain to scent. So keep us posted.
3: <laughs> I will. I will.
0: I will. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Yo-Yo. Your answers were really great. It was great to talk to you.
3: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. That was Yo-Yo
1: Fearless, hip-hop icon and defender of women everywhere, joining Donna and me from her home in Los Angeles. You can learn more about Yo-Yo with a Google search, but fair warning, you'll get lots of results because she's kind of amazing.
0: Heather D'Angelo is one-third of the band Au Revoir Simon and the owner and perfumer of the brand Carta Fragrances. Heather is also an ecologist and is inspired by the complexity of Earth's ecosystems and the people working to protect them. She founded Carta in 2017. She also happens to be one of the members of the Coalition of Sustainable Perfumery. Heather joined us from San Francisco, and there was a bit of an audio issue, so bear with us.
1: I'm curious. Uh, so, obviously, you were in this. You are still in this band, of Simon. Is that correct? Yeah.
4: yeah. 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 We haven't, you know, broken up or anything. But I'm in San Francisco, and they're in, you know, New York City still. So, um, definitely, things have slowed down. Mm-mm, yeah covid
1: so um yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so okay so being in this band how did you become interested in scent i mean how did did that relate to your sort of trajectory as a musician or how, what what led you to perfume um
4: so it's interesting um i'm definitely one of those people that before i became a perfumer i was one of those people that i like to buy perfume so i was more of a consumer of fragrance um that was always the thing that i wanted to buy so like When I used to tour in France, I always would go to the Serge Lutin store, which is like the most, it's like the most beautiful perfume store I think in the world. And like, I'd buy like one of those beautiful bell-shaped bottles and that would be like my treat that I'd buy myself when I was on tour. So I started like buying a lot of fragrance and just really had an appreciation for it. I think even just like as someone who's like very aesthetically sensitive, like I love to cook, I love spices, like I love... Smell things. I feel like it's just, you know, I think it all just kind of goes together. Like I'm just like a sensory overload kind of person. I love music. Um, I feel like that's true of a lot of perfumers. We all really love cooking. We all really love food. We all really love music. Like it's just that kind of um, heightened senses, maybe uh, overall. But I was touring, you know, for over a decade, and you can't really have things when you're on tour when you're like living out of a suitcase so certainly like learning how to make perfume like wasn't something that was on my radar but at some point I had a friend who was getting married and her friend David was making um, her a custom fragrance for her wedding And she invited me um, to go to his perfume studio one day. And I had never been to a perfume studio before. And, you know, I knew nothing about it. But I was like, ooh, that sounds really cool. She just knew that I, like, loved perfume. And she wanted my feedback about the scent he was creating. So we went to his studio in Brooklyn. And it was David of the brand DS and Durga. And so um, I got to see his workspace and, like, I'll just like never forget that moment just walking into a real perfumer studio and just seeing like lines of bottles and his desk in the middle. And he just had like all these potions and like I just never felt so called to something. And so that's like when like kind of the seed was planted, but I still had like years of a Simone to go and years of touring, but I'd never forgotten that moment and thinking about, you know, one day, I am going to try to make perfume. I'm going to get into it as like a hobby because it just seems like so cool. And I was so into it. So then I moved to San Francisco in, um that was like 2014. Finally, in the first time in my life, I had space to buy things and like start collecting things. So like I set up a whole music studio, which I had never had in my life, like actually getting to set up all my keyboards and all my amps and like, And I started dabbling in perfume, uh, you know, perfume craft. And so I started, of course, like, you know, getting little bottles through Perfumer's Apprentice and reading all the books by Mandy Aztel, like watching YouTube videos. And and what was really cool is um, the crazy thing is the year that I moved to San Francisco um, and I moved to the mission was the same year that Tiger Lily opened a block from where I live. And so I just had this like crazy, like, serendipitous. I was like, how insane that the minute I'm thinking about making perfume, this like indie perfume store opens that's very community focused. And Antonio was all about bringing San Francisco's, you know, perfume community together. And so I I suddenly found myself for the first time, like not only with the time and the space to start this hobby, but with like a built-in community um, that was facilitated. So everything just like really flowed like so incredibly. And, um, I ended up just teaching myself as like many perfumers do. I only wish I lived in LA so I could have gone to like, you know, your classes, like your amazing classes. And I did that for about four years. I was just doing it as a hobby before I ever considered launching my own brand. And like, really thinking about like, maybe I should try selling perfume, to, you know, or more than just giving it away to friends and family.
0: How do you think your experience in music has informed your perfumery practice?
4: I was really surprised to find that when I'm, when I'm composing fragrance, it's actually really similar to me to composing songs. Like when I'm writing music with my bandmates, the songs just come through me from somewhere else. Like I kind of have like an out of body experience and I just feel like creativity is moving through me and like it's a very um organic process it's very like intuitive and when i'm working on fragrance it's the same process completely it's like the decisions i'm making aren't logical they're like it's very much and it's the same as when i'm cooking honestly like i don't really use i don't really use you know cookbooks so it's like when i'm when i'm cooking everything is by taste i'm making decisions in the moment just based on how I'm feeling and like aesthetically where I want the, the thing to go and so like whether I'm I think anything for me that where I'm creating something of beauty or trying to compose something um, or really communicate something through a craft I think it just comes through me I don't know that's what seems the most similar and I was just very surprised to find it with perfume because I thought like Oh, it's very scientific. I'll be using ten percent of this and twenty percent of that, and like, and there is of course like a technical side to perfume, but uh, but in the very beginning, you know, when you're composing a fragrance, it's very intuitive, and you're just making decisions like that come. I don't know, come from somewhere else. I like the idea Um, of the
1: muses. You know, like I always feel like the muses are sort of breathing through you somehow. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Exactly.
1: Do Do you like to keep the medium separate? Do you, do you prefer them kind of in their in their in their little spaces or do you often see them as equated to one another
4: I do see them in conversation with each other where for every fragrance launch i've done i've composed a song that goes with the perfume so yeah i mean my, my perfume brand is very much about telling the story of a place and I tell it through scent but historically like in my life I'm very used to communicating place, my my sense of place through music I mean that's all the songs I've ever written are usually trying to capture like a feeling of a place I had and so it's, it is similar it's just a different way to me of expressing how I feel about a place.
0: Is there anything else that you feel people haven't explored or don't know about scent and music?
4: That's a good question you know we, we were kind of touching on in our um in the scent trunk, I mean, not scent trunk, for scent the festival. Scent week. Yeah, for the scent festival. the kind of idea of thinking more about relationships between specific scents, like chords, it, you know, chords in music and chords in scents. And like, which again, like it's not, there's a science to it, but just thinking about how like bass notes, like to me, like a, a bass note like vanilla might be like a, a D chord or something. Like thinking more about like those kind of relationships I think would be fun. Um, It's not something I've explored a lot, but I kind of like theory um, would be interesting to explore more. It's something I'm I'm interested in.
0: Yeah, me too. I mean, I have a running joke that I can only sing in D minor with a friend of mine. So it's like this very Mm -hmm. melancholic (laughs) sound from the fifties. I'm like, where's this coming from? And for me, I don't know if this is an association that was created in perfume school but my uh, max gavaria perfumer who was our teacher would always say the labdanum is very sad and so mm-hmm. i thought about sadness and labdanum and, labdanum and melancholy and and d Absolutely. minor or a minor and
4: actually. d minor yeah that's that's speaking my language definitely yeah. i i like wish there was a class on that or maybe it's something we can explore more together and think about but that's stuff's really interesting to me because i know that there's something there it's, it's not something i've had the time to think too deeply about it. Something I more like intuitively sense uh, is real.
0: That was Heather D'Angelo joining us from San Francisco. You can learn more about her work with scent at cartafragrances.com, and about her work with music at auvoirsimon.com.
1: Chevalier Mwamba is a music educator musician and the founder and perfumer of Pink Mahogany Fragrances, which is an independent perfume line that she founded in part to help her process her grief after the loss of her son. Her perfumes explore a lot of themes, notably helping with mental clarity and healing. With her complex creative background, Chevalier has a lot of insight into the relationship between scent and sound, and she joined Donna and me from Texas. Here's Chevalier. Thank you for joining us, Chevalier, It's really a pleasure to have you
5: on. Likewise, likewise.
1: So you often talk about perfumery helping you process grief. And likewise, as you know, music can really help in that realm. So do you see parallels between these fields?
5: Um, definitely. Um, without being too technical, I do believe that music and perfumery both carry various uh, vibrations, if you will. I've done a little bit of research on plants and uh, flowers. There is a company I cannot remember. The name. I think it's called Athesia. And they actually hook the plants up to a, uh, a device that allows them to record the sounds that the plants and the flowers make. So given that, I do believe that there are definitely parallels between music and the natural essences of perfumery because they both carry uh, certain vibrations. I do believe that when there is a certain vibration that's, that's emitted a particular hertz, It can cause a a sedative-like effect, which will help with grief because it puts that person in a state of rest where their their brain actually kind of slows down and it allows them to fall asleep if they were having insomnia due to grief. In my experience personally as well, there are definitely um, parallels between the two. To
0: tell our listeners a little bit more about you and your background, could you tell us more about your musical background specifically in that practice?
5: Yes. um, I am a classically trained piano player. Uh, I also am self-taught in the regard of playing by ear. So I have that duality going on. I took lessons when I was about six, started at six and ended at about 13. And it, it actually was kind of a segue into perfumery for me because I liken the way that I create my fragrances to a song. I think in terms of soloists, um, orchestral pieces, symphonies, whenever I'm creating. But yeah, my, my musical background, I started at about the age of six and developed as I got older. I started wanting to learn about different genres of music and uh, it just kind of went from there.
1: So you already kind of touched on this a little bit, but do you connect perfumery to your music practice? Do you, do you make direct parallels
5: when you're blending, for instance? Not always, but most of the time I do, and it's usually by, by accident. It's not like something that I consciously do, but I think innately I correlate the two simply because there are a play on words in, in fragrance. You have notes, which in music you also have notes, You have a chords in fragrance, which in music you have chords without the AC. So I do tend to create a synergy between the two, especially when I am creating a complete blend. I do like think in terms of of the grand scheme of things. Do I, how, how do I want it to play on the skin? So there's a lot of vocabulary that I use that I think is dual for both fragrance and for music so accords and chords you said for instance accords and chords uh notes is synonymous between between fragrance and perfumery as well you are using an example of a choir you have the soprano which would be the top notes you have the alto which would be the heart note or the middle note and then you have the tenor which would be the bass note in perfumery so i do tend to think in terms of of dual vocabulary And it just kind of helps me to keep things into perspective when I'm creating or blending.
0: What about the other way? Do you imagine perhaps like the scent of E minor or E major versus D minor, D major?
5: Um, Not necessarily. However, when I do create a particular accord or if I'm working with a particular material, sometimes I will hear a certain song that is already out. Or it could just be a combination of, of musical notes but I don't necessarily think in terms of of different keys per se, when I'm creating or putting those different notes, the fragrance notes together.
0: A lot of what you're saying actually makes me think of Stevie Wonder. (laughs) He had so much crossover with vibrational, plant, music, energy. There's also an album that's actually made to help plants grow. It's called Plantasia, Mother Earth's Plantasia. And Stevie Wonder album is The Secret Life of Plants. I think this one was inspired by Plantasia because it was also one of the first times they used synthesizer. Wow. Super cool. Donna teaches us something today. Mm -hmm. Um, Shivalia, do you
1: have anything coming up for your brand that you want to share?
5: Um, I am a walking work in progress. (laughs) I'm always working on, on some type of idea. I am looking to hopefully launch uh, a new scent by summer, late summer, early fall. So um, I've had some requests. I do, I try to take polls on my Insta stories on Instagram just to see what people are gravitating towards for the different seasons because I don't generally create according to season. I don't really think in terms of summer, fall, winter, or spring, but I realize that a lot of the Pink Mahogany family members do. So hopefully by by I would say early fall I will have a, a new fragrance available. That's awesome. Does it take you a while to make a fragrance? I mean, is it one of those things where you take your time with it? Yes, definitely. Um, just like a song, when you, when when you want to create a, a beautiful song that cre- that has depth and that allows the listener to actually connect to it. I mean, sometimes you have one hit wonders, but but it's kind of rare in my in my case. Um, so I do like to take my time. Sometimes I'll have, I will go and revisit an idea that I've initialized maybe years ago and something will spark that idea again. So yes, yeah, sometimes it takes years and sometimes it could take, you know, a couple of weeks. It just kind of depends on the complexity and, and what I want to convey with the fragrance. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much. Thank you so much and thanks for having me back.
1: A Total pleasure. That was the Texas-based Chevalier Mwamba talking about the connections she makes between scent and sound. You can learn more about Chevalier and Pink Mahogany Perfumes on Instagram at PM
0: Our next guest, Kaya Sorhaindo, uses scent as a medium for expanding the experience of art across a diverse range of creative disciplines. Kaya's cross-disciplinary projects offer new areas of inspiration in contemporary perfumery and aim to form deep emotional relationships with audiences. With over 15 years' experience as a creative director, working in the fields of fashion, art, beauty, and publishing, Kaya is the founder and creative director of Folie à Plusieurs and Folie Studio, and he joined us from New York.
1: Kaya, thank you so much for joining us for this collab between On the Nose and Perfume on the Radio with the wonderful Donna um, and the wonderful me, Saskia.
6: Yeah. <laughs> Lovely to you. I missed you guys.
1: And the wonderful you, Kaya. At Fauria Pugion, you often make parallels between scent and other art expressions, collaborating with some pretty impressive practitioners. So I wanted to ask you, or we wanted to ask you, how it's different to work with the different types of creative people. So by which I mean, does one creative output lend itself better to understanding scent? For instance, does a director get scent better than a musician or or are there even any patterns?
6: I guess there's two two different ways to answer that. Um, My my immediate thought is that, well, I've been really fortunate to work with some amazing artists that trust me, because that's the first thing that you have to establish when you're working with these different artists. But I always find that the various different arts, whether it's photography, film, music, they kind of all start from the same place. It's like someone having a feeling and wanting to articulate that in, whatever medium that they're using, right? And the difference when it comes to me working with an artist on a fragrance, I think we have a shared vision as to what we want to do with this project. If we're trying to translate um, a body of work into a fragrance, we want to kind of make sure that it's an experience that can be revisited continuously by the end user. Very rarely, art is created for the end user. A person creates a painting, a photograph, a musical composition based on whatever they're feeling. But when it comes to actually going into translating this into a fragrance, you start, they start to think about, okay, what kind of experience do we want to create for the user? How, how can we fully realize the whole emotional landscape of the project? And I think in that way, it's like pretty consistent across all the different mediums. I think the bigger the artist, the more complicated it is because you work on projects for like forever getting feedback. And some of them, they just kind of just vanish, you know. So there's some fragrances people working on that just was never realized. Musicians are very cool. They're always laid back to work with in general. For me, I love the concept of dance and performance art because of this idea of being present in a moment. There's like time, body, space, you know, there's this kind of immediacy to it and also this concept of duration. And more so I think music is, 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 is the same thing. You have this idea of it has a beginning and an end, this element of duration. If you think about the experience of wearing a fragrance from the top down to the bottom, you have that kind of transition. You're, you're, you're kind of entering into this space and you're you're going on to this journey. And in that sense, I think working with musicians are also really cool. And I think Donna can also empathize with that because it's like you, you've, you've created a collection so masterfully with music, you know.
0: Thank you. And yeah, I, I definitely believe that scent and sound are time-based or duration-based, as you just said. So I definitely find the connections in that Uh, and the immediacy um, movement, body and space is also, I find and sense that those connections haven't been explored that much yet, which is, it's a really interesting space to to explore for sure. And including people, I think having that community-based interaction, which is something that we don't have during COVID anymore, like even uh, the piece that I did, Emotion, which was dance, sound, smell, time, very synesthetic, it didn't have uh, a barrier. So there was no observer observed where people were sitting and watching, people were kind of in there with the dancers. And I wish we could do that right now. I think we really almost need it, but one day off topic. But. So Kaya, as creative director, your role is one of vision and leadership and one of, also one of management. So how do you begin the process of collaboration between artists, the perfumer, the brand as a whole, even yourself, like in that whole jumble?
5: Absolutely,
6: Um, (laughs) yeah. Sometimes I also think I'm a professional intern as well, you know? (laughs) Cat
1: herder, cat herder.
0: Yeah.
6: But really, um, when it comes to working with a perfume working with an artist and then working with a brand, I almost take on two completely different roles. Um, I, I like to think about it. I like to think of it like, um, in one, in one scenario, we're kind of raising a bit, we're having a baby together, you know, we're three parents, you know, the artist. He, he did the nine months of labor, doing the research, figuring out what he wants to do. Then he brings this baby into the world. And then he says, well, let's raise this baby together. Let's do something. He already instilled some values in, in this child or um, he has some ideas as to how he would like to raise it. And then I kind of, because we have a similar vision, one mutual respect and that he respects that, he or she respects that I would, um, really maintain the artistic integrity of the work that's really important. I take it through a process of bringing whatever experience and knowledge I have, and the understanding of the project and this little child, and then I hand it off to Mark, or whoever the perfumer is, and then there's that continuation. In that kind of scenario, it's it's a true collective collaboration. We're Creating something together, we're, we're almost, there's a mutual respect, we're all, we're all on the same level. I can't do the work that the artist does. The artist can't necessarily do the work that I do. We all kind of trust in each, each of our abilities and we have a shared vision as to what it needs to be. And the reason why I like working with artists is that because, because artists are curious and they, they always see through a specific type of lens. I feel if the artist is really involved in a project and not just doing it as an add-on, then the outcome is honest and then also I feel it and I'm able to actually really give special attention to the project and then Mark or whoever the perfumer is feels it and they give special attention to it but if there's a break in the chain the outcome is always a little bit shallow or just it just feels off you know in a sense with the brand it's different because it's less of a process I guess but more of a more of this kind of understanding of, of what are our what are the different roles? Like in a, in, a, in a creative collaboration with the artists, we're co-conspirators, you know, we're co-authors and these kind of things. Whereas when it comes to working for a brand, I understand that they're the clients and they trust my experience and where I can take them. But also maybe if they're doing things right, I, I can immediately build upon these elements and grow.
1: Totally. And and Kaya, when you're speaking about Mark, you're talking about Mark Buxton, your perfume collaborator, right?
6: Yeah, Mark yeah. Buxton, David.
1: David, um, Okay. I think our last question for you, Kaya, is I know, I know this is something you, you've spoken about before. So forgive us for asking again. Do you think that scent can be best expressed on its own? Or do you think it's best expressed in tandem with other mediums? And it's a big, it's a big answer for a small question, I'm sure. So
6: yeah, I have some mentors and colleagues that don't really like this idea of peering, scent with different art forms and these kind of things. They say, well, a perfume should be able to exist on its own as an art piece by itself. And yeah, you can put an empty canvas in a gallery and it's still perceived as art, yeah? So what's what's the intention? What's What are you using that for? Generally, yes, you you can just, you can create a beautiful perfume and it should be experienced by itself without any art forms or paired with any art forms. And I think there's some, there are a lot of brands that do that beautifully, you know, because ultimately the perfumer that is creating the fragrance, the perfumer must have been inspired by some artistic medium or some kind of visual element, you know, a trip to a country, a song, an interaction with a couple. There's all these things that have been both captured auditorily, sonically, um, in painting, in photography, in all these different elements. But it came from a place of feeling, right? And, and I think it's fine that they it, it's presented by itself. Whereas, whereas for me, I have a different use for fragrance but I'm, I'm less concerned about just serving a, a perfume audience. I'm, I'm more interested in that person that loves a Bill Henson, does, doesn't really like fragrance, loves a Bill Henson f- photograph and it's like there is this Bill Henson scent and like wow man I, I would really love to own it because I'm really emotionally involved already with his work and then you kind of create this new appreciation for scent but not only that, the the work begins to take a life on its own. You know, it, it starts to seep into different aspects of that individual's life and inspires them. And I think, and I guess it's it's a bit selfish, but I just like to create fragrances on artworks that inspire me. It's, it's Sometimes I think we over conceptualize it with fully, but it's very, very, very simple. Anybody can do it, you know? It's nothing complicated at all. It's like, I see this artwork, wow. Well, I've always been in love with this photographer, been in love with this filmmaker. I always felt that somehow they inspired me. And I just want more of that experience in my life. There's very few mediums that you can actually take with you. If you have uh, headphones, you can walk with music. You have a bag, you can take a book on a journey, literature. You can't really take a photograph or a painting or an Anish Kapoor sculpture you know with you it's just it's impossible right so if you really want to kind of revisit that experience and relive that experience and build upon those ideas and somehow infuse them into your life in a way that inspires your own craft I think a perfume is a fantastic carrier or medium so to kind of go back to the question is that yes feel that perfume doesn't it doesn't need a film it doesn't need a a score it doesn't need anything it can be exactly what it is but it really depends on what what are you using a perfume for are you just using you're creating a perfume for someone so you're just creating a really immaculate perfume for someone to wear or do you want to create a deeper impact in someone's life that that extends beyond the body it goes towards the intellect and things like that
0: that was such a beautiful way to answer it i mean uh what I love about your process is that it's it's really, truly multidisciplinary. You really respect each medium separately, but also you have a way of bringing them all together and creating this kaleidoscope of modalities with this very chill, intuitive approach that makes it very uh, submersive, if that's the right word, and enticing. It's, it's really, truly a pleasure to watch.
6: Uh, thank you so much. And to kind of add on to that question, Dana, which is interesting, and I, I think you, you touched on it earlier as well, when it comes to music, there's so many the interesting elements, you know, there's just just the instrumentation in a, in a song, and then the instruments that a perfumer uses, you know, and all of these ingredients to have different frequencies and vibrations and in music, you have different frequencies and vibrations. So if you look at it from a orchestral sense, right, you have these kind of range of frequencies, you know, um, the sounds at the bottom can be wider apart, sounds at the top can be closer together. Out of all the mediums, whether it's photography, film, I feel that it's more fluid between music and perfume from from creating a fragrance from music is, is, I think, I wouldn't say simpler, but it's, it's, it just feels right. And then from creating a song from a fragrance, I feel that it flows back and forth much more smoother than actually um, what I try to do sometimes is uh, photography to a fragrance and then back from a fragrance to a photograph, you know? <laughs> and, and I think there's something really special about that because you, you would think that, translating a photograph, translating a painting, a film, but there's so many cues, there's so many visual cues in a a photograph, even in a sculpture, right? There's the materials, a scene of grass, metal, blah, 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 and you just kind of figure out what the experience needs to be in that fragrance, but then when it comes to music, you don't necessarily have those visual cues, you know. You have the instrumentation, you have the pace, you know, you have the the hi-hats, you have the kicks, you know. I feel with the perfumer working on a scent for a music composition, there's a lot of information there. So actually it could be quite literal in a very weird abstract way. I, I can't even put it into words at the moment
0: yeah in in the most literal way you could disperse a scent and stop how much it gets dispersed based on the rhythm or a tempo of a track just as simple as that
6: absolutely
0: yeah Yeah. there's so many connections so beautiful to me yeah
6: absolutely and I agree I think maybe music is is that is the most closest medium when it comes to if, if translating a so uh,
0: fragrance well they're both emotional invisible visceral primal there's no time to intellectualize either so there's there's so much truth in both mediums i find absolutely that was Caius surhaindo joining us from new york one of the most soft-spoken and elegant people i have ever come across you can learn more about his work at folie.studio